0: Ro khaybar ro khageven a sharif ta habasem dehoyo behaya ashe dehoyo ashe Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. This morning I would like to continue our brief analysis of the bracha of Elokai neshama and pick up where we left off last week. As you recall, we spent considerable time talking about the word Elokai, the first word of the bracha, which emphasizes the unique personal relationship that each and every one of us has with HaKadosh Baruch And then the bracha continues and says, Neshama The neshama, the soul that you have placed with inside of me, Now, what is most noteworthy about this particular formulation is that we are declaring each and every morning that the soul that you gave me is pure. And that would seem to be rather presumptuous because perhaps the more appropriate and humble way to begin each and every day would be to say, The soul that you have given me was pure, but perhaps I have done things over the course of my life Perhaps there are choices I make which compromise the purity of my soul, and perhaps my soul is not quite so pure. So interestingly, Riff Schwab in his commentary on the Siddur, and others do as well, point out that the prevailing religion in the world for approximately the last 2,000 years had at its core the doctrine that man has a sinful soul. And so therefore man is, by definition, condemned to hell, unless he accepts certain theological beliefs. And Judaism totally rejects this concept. We believe that the neshama that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us is pure and remains pure. There is a Kabbalistic concept or a term that even someone such as myself, who is not particularly familiar with Kabbalah in general, I've heard of this, and that is that there is a concept that the soul sometimes becomes covered with what we would call klipos, which would mean like layers or shells. There's a casing that forms around the neshama and this ultimately separates between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if we can imagine for a moment that we have a soul and our soul's desire is to be as close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as possible, so what happens when we contaminate our soul? When we commit sinful acts and we become more distant from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so what exactly is the process? What is happening? So one approach that I think that many would sort of imagine is that I have a soul that was pure, and when I sin, so now I make my soul impure. And so therefore, slowly but surely, the distance sets in because there is such disparity between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the source of my soul. But another way of looking at it is that my soul remains completely pure. And all that is happening is that there are layers upon layers which are accumulating on top of my soul and ultimately function as what we would sometimes call mechitsa, a barrier that separates between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And while this may seem like mere semantics, I actually believe that there is a very, very powerful idea that is embedded within this concept, and that is that when we wake up each and every day and we are looking to start the day afresh and anew, we can start from the perspective of, I'm already behind, that uh, I have so much catching up to do, that my soul is contaminated, my soul is impure, and it's very demoralizing to begin the day knowing that I am so far behind. If, however, we can alter our perspective just a bit and understand, as we say in this the soul that you have given me is pure. Not that it was once pure, but it is pure today. And the mistakes that I have made and the decisions that I regret, what they have done is they have created klipos. They have created barriers which separate between me and you. And what I need to do slowly but surely is to remove those barriers. And perhaps this perspective can motivate us a bit, as we want to begin each and every day from a place of optimism and hope. I can do this. I have a pure soul. The soul that you gave me in a state of complete purity remains pure. And so therefore this one seemingly simple word, he, Tahora he, is actually a very, very significant statement in the context of this bracha. This idea is further echoed in the writings of Rav Salveitchik, who, in the book Blessings and Thanksgiving, Reflections on the Siddur and Synagogue, writes as follows. Let us turn to Elokai Shema, which deals with the spiritual personality of man. First of all, I would place the emphasis on the word Tahora pure. The soul is not corrupt. It is innocent and noble. The human personality is sacred. This statement, of course, stands in direct opposition to the Christian interpretation of man advanced by Paul. Perhaps this word Tohora was introduced against Christian preaching about the corruptibility and impurity of man. Christians say man is born in sin. His very existence and his spiritual personality are sinful because of the union with flesh. Even an infant one hour old is metaphysically corrupt, not morally corrupt, but metaphysically corrupt. It can be saved only through the act of salvation by grace. Judaism would not deny the fact that by sinning we corrupt the soul. But metaphysically, the soul is not corrupt. It is pure, noble, and sacred. Christianity says the soul becomes corrupt as soon as it joins the body. And Judaism says it remains metaphysically in a state of bliss. Certainly, by sinning, we contaminate and pollute the soul. But we don't believe in metaphysical Tumma. We believe in Tumma, which is brought about by sin, by our action, by crimes. Metaphysically, for us, the soul is Tahora. It is still pure. So here we have both the Rav and Rav Schwab underscoring the importance, the significance of this word Tahorahi, that the soul remains pure despite all of my actions. At this point, I would like to transition into the next section of the bracha. When we speak about the creation of the soul, but we use three words or three terms which seem to be describing the very same process. Atavarasa, atayitzarta, which would mean, and you created, which means, and you formed, you fashioned, which just sounds like another way of saying the same idea. And referencing what it says in Chumash, that you have breathed with inside of me, my soul. So here you have three different expressions which seem to, again, sort of capture the same idea. Now, I do want to say, even though I'm going to share one particular approach with you right now, that if you look at the various commentaries on the sitter, there are many, many different ways to interpret the bracha of L'Kain Shema, and they each have their own nuances and perspectives. I'm going to present one way of breaking this down, but I just wanted to let you know that there are several different interpretations, and there's quite a range over here. The analysis of this bracha is quite fascinating. Um, and rather complex, and I don't think it is unique to this particular passage in the Siddur, but certainly since we are dealing with matters of the soul quite literally, and this subject matter to begin with is rather esoteric, so there really is quite a range of possibilities over here in understanding this bracha, how many different sections of the soul are alluded to over here, how many different processes of creation. So I just want to mention that although I'm going to share one with you, um, I'm actually sharing one that seems to be, at least on the surface, rather simple, uh, relative, perhaps, to some of the others. So I don't want you to think that this is the only or even the preferred interpretation. Rather, I'm going to present you with one possible interpretation of this section of the bracha. So we are going to turn to the commentary of the Shah, who, in his commentary on Samach, which is exactly where the Gemara introduces the bracha of the Lokai So the Maharisha writes that that the term, the word Neshama, That the word neshama, as it appears in the pasuk, it includes three different sections, three different parts, if you will, of the soul. What he calls nefesh, ruach, and neshama, and he says, like we find in the words of the Mekubalim, gam haphilosophim, and as well as philosophers. With this, the Marsha says we can understand the three expressions that are found in this bracha. Atavirasa, alanefesh hativis. The word atavirasa, you created, that is referring to the natural living soul, as the pusik says. Vayivra adam. yitzarta This is referring to the living spirit. Again, we're going to have to come back to this and find what this means in more concrete terms. Shneemarz it says. This is referring to sort of the higher level portion of the soul. As the Pasik says, So here we have the Marsha who's basically telling us, you know why we have three expressions of creation over here? He says because there are really three different components to the soul. What he calls Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. Now what exactly does this mean? So Rav Weisblum in the Sefer Ha'aras Hatfila suggests that we can gain more insight into understanding the Marsha if we take a look at the Ibn Ezra in his commentary on Koheles. And over there, the Ibn Ezra writes, and over here I'm going to say it outside rather than reading it inside, again, that there are sort of three parts to the soul. One of them is what he calls HaNefesh HaTzomeches, which means the soul that literally just grows. And this, he says, means that we find within nature there are certain things that exist which are inanimate, and they never grow, and they stay the same over the course of time. There's no natural growth process, but there are other things which seem to have the koach So, of course, the natural world includes grass and trees and plants and flowers. So these are, of course, parts of the natural world which grow, that there is contained within this aspect of the Bria the ability to grow, that things do not remain stationary and static, but rather they grow over time. And the Ibn Ezra says that on a certain level, this koach exists within men as well. That the fact that we are alive means that we have the capacity to grow. That there's physical growth, there's spiritual growth that takes place over the course of our lifetime. Then the second part of the soul is what he calls the nefesh ha which means the animalistic part of our soul. And this is what he says basically expresses itself within the five senses. The fact that we have the capacity to move from one place to another. The things that we do which resemble more or less all other creatures within the animal kingdom. This is another part of our existence as living beings, and this is also sort of a component of the soul. And then he says, man and man alone has another part, which he's calling the neshama, which he describes as the neshama hasichlis or the midaberes, the part of our soul that speaks. Says the Ibn Ezra, this is the part of ourselves that is makeres ben ms vashaker, that can differentiate and distinguish between truth and falsehood. This is the part of our being that has the capacity to gain insight and wisdom and to learn about the world and to take knowledge and to apply it and to extrapolate ideas and lessons and messages and to become slowly but surely over the course of our lives more refined individuals. For some of us, this idea may seem somewhat similar to an idea that we've perhaps heard before, and that is that we have different levels within nature. That's what's called domain, which means that which is sort of the inanimate part of nature, like rocks and water and parts of nature that don't necessarily have a natural growth process. And then there is someach, which again is like the vegetable world. And then there's Chai, which includes the entire animal kingdom, birds and fish and animals, and then the highest level of Adam, which we sometimes call Medaber, and over here, Rav was suggesting that we can understand the Marsha in light of the Ibn Ezra, because the Marsha is telling us that the three expressions that we find in this bracha, atavarasa, atayitzarta, atanafachtabi, so these are referencing the three different levels, if you will, the three different components or sections of the soul. So what is the takeaway message for us? So first of all, I think there's great benefit, obviously, in understanding and appreciating, the words that we are saying. And we use these expressions which seem to be sort of mirroring one another. Atavarasa, Come on, we're saying the same thing. So to reason, we're not saying the same thing. Marsha says we're not. Bria, Atavarasa, is referring to one part of the soul. Atayitzarta is referring to another part of the soul. Atanafachtabi is, is, is referring to another part of the soul. We can understand and appreciate that we are discussing over here, is something which is truly complex. But I think that when we recite this bracha in the morning, we can also understand and appreciate that we exist on different levels, that there are different components of our existence, each of which require unique reflection in the morning. So therefore, when I say the words atavarasa, and you created the part of me, which again we're saying is sort of like this basic part of my existence, which is subject to a natural growth process, I could ask myself, am I growing? Right, we speak about a person who's growth-oriented. What does it mean to be a growth-oriented person? I guess the term means somebody who's inclined to grow. I don't want to be the same person that I was yesterday or the day before and certainly not last year and 10 years ago and 20 years ago. I want to grow over the course of my life. If Atoy is referring to the part of my soul, the animalistic part of my soul, so I can ask myself the question, how am I doing as an animal? Yes, I have certain base desires, but am I able to control them? Am I able to and still within inside of myself a sense of discipline and purpose. So therefore, as the expression goes, I don't live to eat, but rather, I eat to live. I have the ability to go ahead and to take the animal instincts that I have, to have the base physical desires, and to raise them and to elevate them in a way which displays Kedusha. This is all part of that section of my soul, which the Mashaur refers to as the Ruach, or as the Ibn Ezra says, the Nefesh Bahamas. The animal part of me is something which can be elevated. And of course, finally, the last be you have breathed within me the neshama, the neshama hasichlis, the medaberes, the part of my being which is a human endowment, the ability to go ahead and to refine myself in character and with midos over the course of my life, how am I doing? And so therefore, when I say the bracha every day, and I say, I can think about the different sections of my soul. How am I doing? How am I doing? On every level. Am I growing? Am I working to elevate my animal desires? And am I striving to become a more refined individual? And so therefore, in conclusion, as we say this, every day, You are my God. It is a personal relationship. The Neshama that you gave me is pure. Because despite the poor choices that I've made, and despite the fact that I have sinned from time to time, my neshama remains pure. Atavarasa, atoyitzarta, atanafachtabi. You have created within me different levels, different components of my soul. And I have to consider my own growth as an individual and my relationship with you, Hashem, through the prism of these three levels of my soul. The nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.